Howdy, Wild Detectives. Howdy. Thank you so much for coming out to Inner Moonlight. I am your host, Logan Cure. We are the monthly poetry reading right here at the Wild Detectives. We do this the second Wednesday of every month. Uh, we are proudly sponsored by the Writer's Garrett. Let's hear it for the Writer's Garrett. <laughs> um, so tonight we are going to hear from our amazing feature. After the feature, there will be a brief intermission, during which time I will collect names for the open mic list. The open mic is a short list. It is one poem per poet. We tend towards slam rolls here, so we're shooting for under three minutes for a poem. That's also the sweet spot of folks' attention span, which is a fun fact. We also like to keep it respectful here. Um, I will definitely pull out my long cane and drag you off of this stage if I have to. Don't make me. I am super stoked for tonight's feature. Our, our feature tonight is somebody who has been part of the Inner Moonlight community for a long time now. You have heard from this poet on open mics if you have showed up to any of our shows basically in the past year. This is one of the most interesting people who has ever graced the stage for sure. Jennifer Elise Wang is a non-binary femme in STEM living in Dallas, Texas. She has a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and Cell Biology and a Bachelor of Arts in English from Rice University and continues to straddle both fields while also performing drag and burlesque. She is a contributor to the Japanese pop culture site J Generation and a three-time winner in the open poetry division of the On My Own Time Arts Competition. Her work has been published in Feral, Just Femme and Dandy, Polygon and others. In lieu of sleep, she also enjoys cosplay, aerial hoop, pole dance, learning to skateboard and snowboard, and volunteering at the animal shelter. Please welcome the incomparable Jennifer Elise Wang. Hey, everybody. Hey. Howdy. howdy, howdy. I'm so glad you are here. Yeah, I'm super stoked. So the first question is always, tell me something good. Um, so I recently became obsessed with one of my favorite bands again. Their name is Alice Nine. They're a Japanese rock band that I got into 14 years ago. And I think when you're considered a fangirl, I feel like there's a lot of negative stigma. So I kind of fell out of that. But then I was just in Japan caught them again and just fell in love all over and am obsessed and now I don't care what people think I'm just totally into it I think it's also now that I'm non-binary I realize that I don't want to be with the guys I want to be one of the guys and so okay. that's also been really fun just kind of seeing them through a new lens yes okay I love that um, and I love celebrating our obsessions um, that's beautiful so I always have to answer this question myself, and I am glad about this weather. Yes. Oh my god. My inner Moonlight fans have braved a lot of extreme cold and extreme hot, um, and tonight I'm so delighted to bring you a gorgeous evening. So I am so stoked to hear your poems. Please read to us. All right. So my first poem is what I consider an invocation and my artist statement. I also wrote it in high school, so I think there's a part of me that's still an angsty teenager, but um, it's about writing and what it means to me. A Poet's Joy. Alone at my desk, with Keats and Dickinson in mind, I invoke the muses and graces. Come transform these bottled emotions into something beautiful. My pen touches the paper, and I feel the catharsis. 
Let my hatred tear the pages, as curses unsaid become eloquent metaphors. Let my sorrow flow through the ink, like the tears I never cried, until nothing is left of my burning rage, except the embers of my words. I kill myself loathing with pride in this masterpiece. Poe and Plath knew the pain and pleasure of a poet's art, and sadness and anger is bliss. So on the subject of high school, um, my hometown school district is Grapevine Colleyville ISD, which is now the subject of an expose about the right-wing movement that is taking over our public school systems. I've been kind of following this, um, and it's been really frustrating to see basically the bullies take over, and they're a small minority. Like, the kids don't want to have books be banned. They don't want their teachers censored. So. I wrote a poem about how angry I was about this. And um, just kind of fun fact, Demi Lovato also went to my school district and they actually left middle school because of bullying. So I referenced that and their music was kind of the soundtrack to this. To the conservatives of Grapevine Colleyville ISD. Did I not get an invite to my 10 year high school reunion despite being the class salutatorian? because you were afraid I'd say similar things as Demi Lovato did about their and my middle school. Now that the whole district is the nation's laughing stock, a warning of a fascist future, and you're trying to discredit us by pointing out that they went to rehab and I take my clothes off in front of people and we hang out with these so-called groomers. To quote a movie I watched in drama class, you keep using that word, I do not think it means what you think it means. Since the only groomer is the one you married right after your graduation and his 29th birthday, and our friends are entertainers who wear too much glitter for your comfort. Now you're trying to ban the existence of kids like the ones you bullied, erase their identity like Demi and I tried to erase our differences, cutting out our skin and destroying ourselves inside before we really knew who we were to fit in with the white, upper-middle-class, cishet mold of a teen who didn't work too hard and didn't stand out. You'll never admit to genocide, and you'd pretend to be sad if we actually died. But there already are those who weren't lucky enough like us to make it out, only to hear you joke about our addiction, our anxiety, our depression. Still, you will never be rid of the gender fluid goths, the fat femmes, the black ballroom queens, the neurodivergent nerds, the punk boys in pink, the first gen immigrants and third culture kids, the future pop stars, scientists, poets, and leaders, all the ones who have taken back queer and weird. Because while your position on the board has an end date, our art, our music, our words are forever. So shifting gears a little bit, it's October, Halloween is coming up. I am busting out some of my gothic slash supernatural poems. Um, this one is about a, was inspired by a punk rock vampire. So a man after my own heart. The Outlaw. The world is terrible, so let's burn it down and resurrect a new existence. One that doesn't maintain the masquerade of civility and social decorum, but revels in radical honesty and assholishness. Not for the sake of being cruel, but for the truth that sometimes we don't want to give a damn. But when it matters, we will. And that is why we'll break the blood bonds, because to be unbound is to be free. To give, to take, to do, to be, anything we desire. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism, so devour everything. 
drink the vitality throbbing in our veins before it turns to anhedonia. Embrace the pain piercing your soul as we tear apart tradition and all the safety networks that have kept us in our places, even if it means we hurt each other a bit. And when the blood is dried and the ash is blown away, there will be pleasure and peace. And so I'm solidly team vampire, but this one is for anybody who is team werewolf. <laughs> wolf man. It's not about the sharpened teeth and vision, since it's honed for killing. It's not about giving in to the crunch and snap of bones that lower a man to the ground from whence he came, the basis for existence. It's not about the sensations inexpressible by the human tongue, feelings he lets out freely in a long howl at the moon. For me, the change is about poetry, bringing words to my colorful world. It's about the crack and the stretch of joints and ligaments that puts me on a higher level to stand tall and proud. It's about the mind, logic trumping emotion, conscience overriding instinct, being conscious of being alive, of being human, for these few days anyway. That was beautiful. So you are possibly the person I know with the most varied interests. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think poetry is actually sort of like the, the perfect genre for such a thing. Um, but I'm curious to hear how all of your different interests affect your poetry and also how your poetry affects those other interests. Um, yeah, so poetry is actually something I fell into. Like I've always wanted to be a a fiction. I actually hated writing for a long time because I am not a native English speaker. That is not my first language. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to do fiction because I've always imagined worlds. But I think this is this is part of my autism where I have trouble describing what I see, but I can do it in metaphors and similes and oh. <laughs> figurative language. So I think at some point I figured out that poetry is a way for me to share the things I love and the things that like I imagine going on in my head and like convey it without struggling to actually convey what's going on. Okay, okay. So how long have you been writing poetry? See, I started writing kind of creatively in middle school, but I okay. think poetry didn't really come out until maybe my freshman year of high school. That's when the angst also started hitting yes. in. And so like, I think poetry is also something where that's how I express my emotions and it's how I get through when the things I enjoy aren't enough for me to like, feel better poetry is usually what I turn to. Yes, okay, beautiful. You are an excellent performer. That first time you performed on the open mic, I was really like, damn, you had my attention. Oh, thank you. And I, you have also performed in like some online spaces. So can you talk a little bit more about like how performance affects your work? Yeah, so that's also something that is a new dimension because I've only ever written poetry until kind of COVID happened and I started finding all these open mic spaces and since I wasn't going anywhere, I was like, hey, this is a chance to share my writing because I don't have a lot of literary friends and so I'm constantly looking for an audience. <laughs> and learning how to read my poems, that was a, a totally like game changer where, because I did theater in high school a little bit and I've done Shakespeare, but I've never considered how my own words are read and so, just getting involved in like online open mics kind of taught me, oh, this is like, 
I have now I'm more, I think, conscious of how these words will be read because I'd actually tried to read some of my high school work in these online open mics and they are unreadable. I, I cannot, <laughs> I don't know where the pauses are. I don't know where the emphasis are. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't do it. And so, yeah, just enjoying this new dimension and, yeah. and a new way to express myself creatively. Like I do burlesque, it's, you know, it's more movement. It's, it's another form of st- storytelling. And so I think that influences it a little bit, but you know, now words are involved, so, and, and I'm a fast talker, so learning how to slow down, learning how to emphasize words, um, has, uh, getting that practice in with online open mics has helped a lot. Yes, yeah, you're right. The pandemic changed a lot about the way that we find community, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in fact, generated the podcast. Um, for those of you that have been following along with their Moonlight for a long time, um, the reason we record is because there was a, a, about a year during the pandemic where all we were was a podcast. And that's like so important that we find other ways to like be accessible and let people find each other. How did you find Inner Moonlight? It may have been the podcast, but I think at some point I Googled poetry open mics in Dallas because I was tired of talking into the computer screen and needing to get out. So I was like, well, I really enjoy doing this online. There has to be places in Dallas besides because my friends occasionally will give me spaces like in their pride events to, <laughs> to read my poetry. Yeah. But, uh, but I was like, okay, there has to be places where there's other poets I can meet and other events. And so, yeah, just Googling it. And I think I found the podcast first and was like, okay, this is, I don't like driving. So that's one of my other, uh, I guess, obstacles. But I was like, this is not too bad of a drive. I can make it out. <laughs> I can get out of work in time <laughs> and do this. <laughs> I'm so glad you found us. Yeah. Because uh, you, you definitely found a bunch of other poets. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm super stoked about this. <laughs> yeah. uh, me too. Um, and I would actually love to hear more of your work. Okay. So I don't have a book to promote. Um, I'm still working on that chat book. But uh, I do have a website. It's got all my publications. And I am promoting one of the literary magazines that has my work. It's called Vesivia. And I'm promoting it because all the contributors get a portion of the print sales, so I thought that was pretty cool of them. I've read one of the pieces that was in there before. This is another one, and on, on the subject of virtual open mics, there was a spam bot that invaded the YouTube stream, and it also invaded some other streams I was watching, and so I wrote this poem about the spam bot and what it was like you know, during quarantine times. In memory of love.chatxyz. Your audacity was admirable. Appearing without invitation, though you'd argue open meant all are welcome and could put in our two cents. Or in your case, five comments in a row. All were welcome to engage with you. Your emojis breaking language barriers while simultaneously soliciting all sexual orientations and genders. (laughs) But you might be, you had more humanity than some politicians. Those irrelevant images might have interrupted actual conversation in the chat, but I almost prefer them to the silence that I fear would meet my readings. You made me feel seen and relevant and less alone in the vastness that is both cyberspace and reality. Like a reliable friend, you accompanied me to watch some surfing too. Although you remained off topic, at least you showed up. Now a part of me misses you, even though I was the one who dealt the deadly blow and clicked report. (laughs) <laughs> so I really like, I like a lot of different Japanese things as I've been in my bio. Um, I love Japanese poetry, tanka, haiku, haibuns. 
So I'm going to read you some of my haikus. Some of them are technic technically senryus because they don't have a season word, and my partner is going to probably poke fun at me because he's not a poet, and the one thing he took away from a haiku workshop I, I dragged him to is that all haikus need a kiko, a season word. So that's the one thing he keeps getting on my case for. But this is various fall-related haiku and senryu. Shining leaves descend from their lofty position. My spirits fall too. Dark descends sooner, bringing a chill with the wind. Pumpkin spice returns. Black cat cross my path. Omen or familiar? You reply, blep. Real horror comes after Halloween. No half-off candy. <laughs> and this one's one of my faves. Um, it's part of a genre called a horror coup. Girl walking at night. You ask if she's all right. A bloodstained grin. And my next piece, it's a new one. It's my uh, first attempt at writing a contrapuntal. It was inspired both by me watching Alice Nine's lead guitarist doing an Instagram stream. I had a really, really bad morning watching him just chat with fans in Japan under the moonlight was like enough to make me feel a little bit better. And it kind of made me think about here at Inner Moonlight, like being outside and sharing like poetry, art. So this poem is kind of my tribute to just the way that art and literature makes the world a better place. And it's titled Otsukimi, which means moon watching. And so I'm going to read the first column, second column, and then the, the two combined. My morning is the burden of modern life, shaking my whole being out of a fantasy of innocent times I long to return to and a desire to belong to again. No one understands the wishes I write within my poems, and I am so alone and tired. Thus, I welcome the enveloping night and nature's sign that we're all together. We survive this day. Your night greets a single soul in quiet reflection of an adventure across the globe you just returned from. You'll share to any ear, even if the denotations of your words are inferred. So many love you, but you've had to fight off hot tears too. Look up at the moon, luminescent and whole, for that, the message of your impromptu song, tomorrow will be good. My morning is your night. The burden of modern life greets a single soul in shaking my whole being out of quiet reflection of a fantasy of innocent times, an adventure across the globe I long to return to, and you just returned from. A desire to belong again, you'll share to any ear, even if no one understands the denotations of your words. The wishes I write within my poems are inferred. So many love you, and I am so alone and tired, but you've had to fight off hot tears too. Thus I welcome the enveloping night, and look up at the moon, luminescent and whole, for nature's sign, that we are all together. The message of your impromptu song, we survive this day, tomorrow will be good. I love it when people read contrapuntals out loud. <laughs> I loved it, thank you. Okay. So tell us what is next for your work. So immediately what's next is that tomorrow I've got uh, reading two pieces as part of On My Own Time's literary night at the celebration of different DFW businesses and their literature competition. It's the, that, the one that I won my third 
first prize in open poetry, and I got third in creative nonfiction. So Ooh, you'll, get to, you'll get to hear two new, two different pieces from me there. Nice, excellent. Are there other things? Oh yeah, uh, and then eventually I'll get around to the chat book. I have an idea. I think I've been delaying it because I had an idea and then it went in a different direction. So I got kind of mad and <laughs> was like, nope. But other than that, um, I've got publications that I can't announce yet, but will soon. Um, I just made a website. It's www.jenniferaliswang.com. I had business cards made, but they didn't arrive in time. So <laughs> I have my performer business cards, which you can get from me. That's also the one where you can get my Polygon article because it's written about burlesquing. I can't use my real name for that one. Beautiful, yeah. okay. And then the last thing that I have coming up that I said I would announce to people is I have my first fiction acceptance. So yeah, um, I'm excited. They're hoping for like a Halloween release because it's a horror magazine. Because they are a small publication, it might not be until November. Yes, but, yeah. but still perfect for yeah. the season. I love it. Okay, so will you close this out with one more piece? Yes, and so I'm going to read from that short story. It is a horror piece inspired by one of my fellow burlesque performers, Honey Sabina, and her act. And so the piece is called Lucy West is Not a Stage Name. Candela and I were hustling for the rest of the evening until the final act, which was Lucy's second number of the evening and her signature act. Normally, cast and crew could only get tiny glimpses of the performer on stage through cracks in the curtain, but we all shuffled into a dark corner by the backstage entrance to see Lucy. She came out in a white gown with a giant lace collar. It reminded me of an Elizabethan ruff, but more opulent and less stifling, and a white rhinestone-covered headdress dripping in scarlet beads. Night Train was pretty much a burlesque cliche, but Lucy owned the jazz standard, flirting with the front row and then pulling back as if bashful. Midway through the piece, she tore off the gown and revealed ruby red lingerie that matched the beading of her headdress. The music changed, and even though I knew the soft beginning was a deceptive start to Otep's ghost flowers, I remained unprepared for the ferocity with which Lucy began to dance. Gone was the coquette, and in her place was a lioness on the prowl, reaching out with those pointed fingernails and smacking her pleaser heels to the ground as she dropped to the floor. Suddenly, I understood what people meant when they said, step on me. Her collar had concealed Isis wings that made her even more imposing. Most dancers look like butterflies with a prop, but she reminded me of an owl ready to swoop down at us mice. When Lucy had stripped to her teardrop-shaped pasties and G-string, our producer, Kirsten Kismet, shooed Candela and me back through the door so we could get ready to pick up the discarded costume pieces. The spell was broken, for us at least. Thank you, that was beautiful. One more time for Jennifer Elise Wang. Thank you. All right, Inner Moonlight, we have reached intermission. So if you have a poem in your pocket, if you have a poem in the notes app on your phone, if your heart is telling you, I want my name to be on that open mic list, now's the time to let me know. Other than that, grab a book, grab a drink, tip your bartender, come back to me in a few minutes. For my podcast listeners, I will see you next month. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.